Hello everyone, Gerda Muller here, clinical psychologist and private practice success business coach and mentor with Private Practice Success Australia. Let's hope that we have a couple of people that's able to join me live this afternoon. It is school holidays here in Brisbane, so if you hear thunder noise no we do not have a storm it is my boys running up and down um, on the top level of my house okay and they might just come and video bomb this live stream so how are you going please say hi say hello when you join me live and if this is your very first time joining me live let me know because that is pretty special as well Hey Michelle, how are you going and how's school holidays over in New South Wales? Is it pretty <laughs> hectic the way it is here? No, it's not really hectic. It's just, I consistently hear I'm hungry, <laughs> which is very interesting. That's what I hear consistently. All right, let's see if we might have a few other people join us before we get stuck into our topic today that is what to do when imposter syndrome keeps sticking around. Michelle says, loving the holidays. Fabulous. I hope you're having plenty of time off, Michelle. Plenty of time off. Um, I have spoken about imposter syndrome uh, probably a couple of times in various formats and forums over the last couple of weeks. And the thing with imposter syndrome is that it is something that tends to stick around so annoying right and you know i uh, would suspect that you might be struggling with imposter syndrome i know from time to time it still rears its ugly head in my life michelle it might rear its ugly head in your life from time to time or for you that might be watching this recording at a later time um, it happens. It's not something that we share openly with other people when it helps. I'm sorry when it happens, uh, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Now, uh, this morning I was on my morning run. Um, geez, my morning run has been really hard the last two days for various reasons. The, the two most important reasons, one is that I hadn't run for the previous 10 days because I really had a bad case of the flu. Then I went over to Hobart in Tasmania for a weekend retreat, didn't run then. So my body had to get used to getting up and going for runs in the morning again. Michelle says, yes, definitely raise its head from time to time. I'm glad you agree and that you can relate. Um, <clears throat> not that I'm glad you experience it, but you can relate. I think we all can, especially when we are clinicians trying to run a business, not even to talk about just feeling like an imposter as a clinician, especially when you are a new grad. We've all been through that as well, right? So... First of all, I had this break in running and it's like your fitness just like goes downhill so quickly and you need to start again. Um, and the second reason why it's been two really difficult mornings of runnings is that I've been taking my husband's dog, Mishka, that is a husky to run with me. So I've got my own little dog, uh, Biscuit, he's right over there sitting. Hey Biscotti, wanna come say hello? Uh, he is a Pomeranian. Wanna come say hello? 
say hello to the people. Say hello. Here we are. He's always where his mummy is. Yes, very well behaved. You can sit here with me. So I would normally take Biscotti, but uh, my husband hasn't been able to take Mishka out. So I've been taking her with me. And it is like I have a running coach because she just wants to run the whole time. She encourages me to run more than I normally would. I get a stitch within the first 200 meters, which never happens when I go without Mishka. Definitely doesn't happen when I go with Biscotti. It's just like, she just wants to go, 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 go. It's like she's got this um, sleigh behind her and she just wants to pull. And she's a puppy still, she's six months old, so she's still learning all this stuff and she's got so much energy. Um, but it means that my morning run has been very, very tiring. And it was during my, um, uh, so we do interval running, so we run and then we walk and then we run and then we walk. And it was during one of the walks that I had the thought of, I want to post up a photo on my Instagram account as well as on my Facebook. Uh, Michelle says free personal coach. Yes, a free PT. I don't even have to pay for it. Um, and I was walking and I thought, oh, I'm going to put up a post, take a photo of Mishka walking and put up a post and, and brag about the fact that I now know what it feels like to have a trophy girlfriend or a trophy wife because people are like stopping me the whole time. Every time I go through, uh, past somebody else who's running or walking their dog, they like, I'm still coming and they're already bending down to pat her ask who she is you know what's her name is it a husky which is obvious but people still ask it's a way of starting conversation of course and just telling me how beautiful she is um and i thought i'm gonna do that post and say you know I, I, turning heads this is what it feels like to have a trophy wife or trophy girlfriend and for a, a millisecond there was this little voice in my head that said oh Gerda, that's politically incorrect. You should not be encouraging the notion or the thought of having a trophy wife or a trophy girlfriend because, of course, that's not good for females, for the female um, species to be considered in that way. And then I was able to quickly shut that down. But then it started to get me thinking about those little voices that we all have from time to time. And it would be so easy to give into that voice. And that's that very much that imposter syndrome voice. It would be so easy to go, oh yeah, I'm rather not gonna post it because I might actually offend someone, God forbid. I offend someone and they message me over Facebook or they email me or they make a comment to say that, oh Gerda, you shouldn't be saying that. And you know what, I suspect because I am a psychologist, because I am an allied health professional, I'm actually even more careful in terms of going, or not more careful, but more mindful of people being very quick to judge what I say and what I do, all right? Why? Because as a psychologist, you have this extra responsibility um, about the stuff that you say. But then I started thinking about it and I go, you know what? I have actually never censored myself. I have always been politically incorrect, not because I plan to, 
but because sometimes they just don't know that I am being politically incorrect. And I think that sometimes happens when you are a migrant into a new country. Because although our cultures, where I come from, South African and then the Australian culture, have so many similarities, I mean, we love a barbecue and we love our sport, right? And we love good weather. I think that's the top three things we have in common. There's a lot of other cultural differences that you only learn in your day-to-day -day life as a new Australian when you come into the country. And I think as a result of that, I've often put my foot in my mouth. I've often said the wrong thing. And you know, people will let me know when that happens. But the fact of the matter is, despite having often been politically incorrect, um, I have still managed to build not one, but two seven-figure group private practices. That's two businesses that makes a lot of money and more importantly, that helps so many people. Um, you know, I, as a clinical psychologist, have been able to help hundreds and hundreds of clients directly, even though uh, at times I'm politically incorrect. Um, and I have even put my foot in my mouth in session with clients. Um, but the thing is, my clients have always known that this is who I am, that I do not wear a mask. You know, this is Gerda, the Gerda that you see as a psychologist and the Gerda that's out there in normal life. Um, I actually once had a client come into session and this was just when Facebook got started and I had a Facebook profile. I didn't know yet how all the settings and privacy stuff works. And she came into session and she said, Gerda, do you know that your Facebook profile is public? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, because um, I looked for you on Facebook. And she said, I, I did stalk you a bit, but in a loving way. She said, uh, I looked for you and stalked for you on Facebook. Um, and I can see all your photos of your kids, stuff you've done this weekend, everything. And I went, oh, I, I didn't realize that. But then I used it therapeutically to talk about, so why, why did you decide to look me up on Facebook? What made you do that? And she said, I just wanted to know how, how my psychologist is outside of the session. I really needed to know <coughs> that the person you are uh, in here with me is the same person that you are out there. And therefore the fact that you are genuine right and i said what did you find and she said you are you are you are exactly the same and i can see traits of you on facebook that i've seen in here and i i think that people is the secret source it is not about um you know and by the way i did fix up my my profile settings <laughs> subsequently but it is not about um wearing a mask um you don't want to do that and it's not I, I think clinicians are often worried that if they are too much of themselves that they will be crossing a boundary okay but the fact of the matter is you the person that you are is so important because you are the secret source in that session with your clients okay you are the thing that makes it different. You know, we can be a whole uh, room full, a hundred psychologists going to a cognitive behavior therapy training or going to an acceptance and commitment therapy training. We can take the exact same content, 
already know heads, um, be able to recite everything at the exact same level. But when we go and deliver it in session, we are going to do it differently. Why? Because we are all unique individuals. All right. And it's really about owning that, not trying to be somebody that you are, but being okay with who you are. Scotty, what are you doing? Trying to get out. He's like scratching at the door. What's going on outside? Did you hear the boys running out? Do you want to go play? Almost finished here, my love. Michelle says, yes, imposter syndrome can lead people to be risk averse. Exactly. And you know what? That just holds you back. If I, um, you know, were to beat myself up, give myself a hard time or stop being me every time I put my foot in my mouth, I would not be where I am today. <laughs> okay, believe it. Um, I still I still have little slip-ups. I've got much better in knowing what the culture is in this country after being here for many years. I love the culture, but sometimes I still get stuff wrong because I don't know all the history. I didn't go to school here, um, you know, and maybe if I were to go to another country and live there, I would be even more politically incorrect. It's a learning process and it's about giving yourself permission to learn it and to never hold yourself back because it's when you stop being you, that's when you're gonna get really frustrated. Uh, everything's gonna be emotionally draining. You're gonna think three, four, five times about something before you do it. And that's gonna lead to avoidance, to frustration, and just not getting to where you wanna get to. So it's really an important, uh, I guess, mindset switch to go that, I am the secret source, me, and I'm proud of it. And the way I engage with my clients, build rapport and deliver the treatment, the therapy is part of what makes me unique. It's part of what makes me a standout clinician and that I can still be very successful even though sometimes I'm gonna slip up, even though sometimes I'm gonna make mistakes, okay? I'm gonna stumble. I might not fall, but it's a stumble, and a stumble can be very embarrassing. Have you, oh, this happened to me so many times where I'm like in the shopping center, and for some reason, I just wanna fall over my own feet, or I don't see a little step and I stumble. It's like, oh my goodness, I must have looked like an idiot. Um, so a stumble can be pretty annoying as well, but remind yourself, it's not a fall, it's not a fail, it is a stumble. Michelle says, I'm the secret source. <coughs> so you are, Michelle. So you are. And, you know, if you are struggling with imposter syndrome, whether it is for you as a clinician, whether it is for you as a clinician that is now a practice owner, which is therefore now a leader of a team of clinicians, which is now a manager of maybe a team of admin people, um, it's gonna happen. And what I want you to, to know is that if imposter syndrome is something that um, pitches up for you, <laughs> Michelle says that cracks me up, uh, that arrives for you and you go, you know, I've thought about it, I've worked through it, I've reflected on it, but it keeps on showing up. I want you to remember that it takes time to get rid of that beast. 
all right it takes time if you imagine a client that you might be working with that struggles with perfectionism okay or a client that struggles with beliefs about not being worthy or not being good enough we know it doesn't matter how experienced highly skilled I am as a psychologist you know I cannot fix that I can't even help the client fix it in a minute an hour even a day or week of therapy it takes time and something that I often tell my clients hey Frank thank, thanks for joining and hopping on uh, a phrase that I use so often with my clients is the importance of trusting the process that in therapy you not you do not get better in session you get better when you pitch up in session you engage you participate uh, you challenge and then you take that stuff and you go and apply it every day in your life and then maybe in a week or two weeks you come back into session and we talk through it what worked what didn't work awesome it worked now let's move on to the next step and we talk about what that is how you're going to implement it what needs to happen uh, what resistance you could expect and then you go out and you implement the hell out of it again it is a process but if you are willing to trust the process you will get better I think very often people have a perceived negative experience with uh, a psychologist and maybe even other mental health professionals because there's this expectation that you're going to get better in a very short space of time and unfortunately uh, there is no magic bullet you need to trust the process all right it is so important for that consistency to happen and it's almost like I often equate it to recovering from a broken heart you know I'm not sure if you have had your heart broken I I know I have and it's like every day you wake up and it hurts it is so painful and you just think when is it getting better when is this gonna stop I just want to go back to sleep because it's too hard to bear and then you go through your day and you plod along and you go to work and do what you need to do and then the next day you wake up again thinking oh, I'm still feeling the same way and it goes on and on and on until one day out of the blue you wake up and you go wow I'm feeling better actually okay it's not that bad and that's because healing from something like a broken heart the grief that comes with it sometimes anger denial all of that stuff it takes time to heal okay it takes time and it's the same with therapy let's say if you start and you're very depressed it's gonna take time for you to get to that day where you wake up and go oh my goodness it has actually paid off this time and effort that I've invested into my mental health it has paid off and as psychologists we know it will pay off we know because we've worked that process so often with clients and I want you to, and I'm telling you this because I want you to relate it to yourself as a clinician, that if you've got that imposter syndrome, if you've got those times when you don't feel worthy enough as a clinician or as a practice owner, leader, manager, to also have that compassion with yourself and know that every day you need to work on it. All right. So every day you need to again decide that I'm, I'm good enough as a clinician um, you know I am good enough as a practice owner I'm worthy to be a practice owner I am worthy to lead and manage this team of mine 
okay you need to decide it every day and that's where our own mindset work comes in now what is mindset work for a lot of people that could be meditation it could be journaling um, and it's really about finding that time in your day so for me personally it's when I go on my run in the morning that for me is my my mindset work where I think about stuff where I remind myself who I am what I'm here to do <coughs> before I was running I actually did do journaling I still do journaling but um, currently a lot of that is taken up in my running so my journaling time is much shorter and as you can see it changes over time as long as you do something to work on your mindset so um, in the early years when I wasn't working in PPS when I was still at the practice I was going into practice every day and I didn't have the time freedom I have right now what I would do was journal and a lot of people encouraged me to do it in the morning you know just wake up an hour before the kids or half an hour before the kids and it's like I can't I can't I'm not a morning person I'm a morning person from after nine o'clock but I'm not like a get up at four o'clock morning person I can do it for a couple of days and then I fail I just can't do it all right um, so for me what worked was to write in my journal before I went to bed all right so I would write in my journal then after my kids were in bed after I've been a practice owner been a psychologist being a mom and a, and a wife to my hubby, you know, done everything, I would come back and do my mindset work. And then I would leave it next to my bed, all right? Michelle says, I do my mindset work in the car or the shower. Good. I like the shower. It's a brilliant place for new ideas, Michelle. And then the next morning when I wake up, okay, I have this ritual. <laughs> when I wake up, um... I normally the first thing I do excuse me for being blunt is go to the loo so I would get up take my book to the loo and whilst I'm on the loo I'll quickly scan through what did I read what did I wrote wrote what did I write that's the right English what did I write the previous night and it would be this reminder so I, I went to bed with those thoughts which which encourages calmness and resolve and then in the morning I will remind myself about it again so it's faster than having to write because I just didn't have the time in the morning getting three kids ready for school all of that stuff because my husband at that time he had a job where he had to get up at 3:30 to be at work at four in the morning so all the school stuff run breakfast all of that stuff was I mean it was very very hectic I guess the bottom line is when it comes to mindset work find what works for you don't go this is what my friends doing or this is what my peer or colleague is doing even if you find 10 minutes during lunchtime do it then okay hey Tony thanks for joining it's about really going what works for me my situation my lifestyle my environment my family what is flow for me what is comfortable for me thanks Abby Abby's just letting me know good you've got 15 minutes because I'm doing another live stream at 2 in my inner circle 2.0 group so I will be on time so it's about finding what works for you again not going oh that person says I need to do it that way or Gerda says I need to do it this way find what works for you until you find something that you can do consistently so that every day you can make 
that redecision and you need to decide every day that I am worthy of being a psychologist. I am worthy of being an OT, a speech pathologist, whatever type of adult helping professional you are, that I am worthy of running this business called a private practice. You know, I might still be learning a lot of stuff, but I am doing my best. And, and therefore I am worthy to do this. Yes, I will take the steps to learn more stuff, but I, I'm good enough to do this thing, all right? You wouldn't have started if, if you didn't know somewhere underneath all of the other excuses or not excuses, judgments and criticism that you're not. There's something in there that knows you are good enough. But what happens is those critical voices from people, whether it's from childhood, whether it's from uh, your, your teenage years where maybe you were bullied or whatever, maybe it's from sisters and brothers, from family, it's those critical voices is the stuff that breaks you down and sometimes you take those voices on and you fuse with it. So it becomes um, that voice in your head and it's about going, whose voice is that? I would not have started this journey if there wasn't a grain of seed in here that knew that I can do this, that I am meant to do this, that this is my purpose on this earth, okay? And you wanna get back to that and you wanna filter out all those criticism and water that little seed so that that can grow, okay? And you can become the practice owner and the clinician that you were meant to be. <coughs> Michelle says, I'm going to add, I'm the secret source to my mindset work because you are Michelle, you are. Hey Monique, thanks for hopping on. Be sure to watch the first part. I think this is a really important live stream to listen to in its entire, entirety, in full, whatever the English word is, um, to really get the message from this. All right, so I would love to hear your thoughts and your comments on, on all of these things. Uh, you know, it is so important to kick that imposter syndrome. If I think about this weekend experience that I just had where I went to Tassie uh, to Hobart specifically at retreat and just the amazing stuff that, that happens at retreat. If you want to get rid of imposter syndrome, okay, once and for all and you want to get that boost, that's gonna take you to that next level, I would highly recommend you uh, consider doing a retreat. I've got one coming up in October, I think it's around about 10, 11, 12. I don't have the exact dates in my head. Three day, get it done retreat. Yes, we do a lot of stuff, but the mindset work that happens there is just priceless. <coughs> I have had so many people tell me that when they booked into my previous three retreats that I ran, it was to get a space, to get away from the practice and just get through their to-do list. But inevitably, when they come into the retreat space where they are surrounded by myself, that's built two seven-figure businesses, they are in that space with my principal psychologists that currently run two seven-figure businesses on my behalf. And they come into that space with my admin team leader and with my accounts person. And they very importantly share that space with other practice owners at various levels. They get like, just, what's the word? 
they just step up they up level and they step into the light and they go oh my golly I know I can do this this is the potential it's like the the blinkers go off the stuff the blinkers that were on their eyes of what they can achieve and that's the amazing space that happens at retreat and I often think that people actually benefit more from the mindset shift that happens when they come to retreat versus the stuff they get done they get lots of stuff done but they walk out of there having stepped into the next level them as a private practice owner the next level them of a clinician because something happens generally sometimes on day one generally on day two where it's just this switch that gets flicked and they step into that next level because they believe they know they can do it and it's almost like that little seed just starts to bloom and for me it is such a privilege to see that so if you are interested in the get it done retreat i'll put the link in the comment section let me know these limited spaces available i think at last count was two or three i'm not 100 sure i'll have to check with the lovely abby my pa but i will let you know all right, what's the time? I need to go to do a live stream in nine minutes for my Inner Circle 2.0 group. I might sneak in a cup of coffee before them because they are. I'm probably gonna talk for a whole hour with them. We've got a really interesting training that I'm doing this afternoon. I love to hear your thoughts on everything that I've shared here. And remember guys and girls, as always, all you need to do is say yes to your very own ultimate level five private practice and i'll speak to you again soon bye for now